Today's episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Autodesk Sketchbook, an app that lets you draw, doodle, or capture your ideas visually on just about any platform. Uh, Sketchbook is easy to use, free to download, and the desktop version comes with a 15-day free trial, no credit card required. Head to sketchbook.com slash thumbs to download for iOS, Android, Windows, or Mac. And if you like it, use the promo code thumbs at checkout for 25% off your annual membership. That's sketchbook.com slash thumbs. That was cool. a great, clean yeah, was, ad read. I couldn't tell if Nick was like sleeping or trying not to laugh or like <laughs> trying to not to sneeze. But you were doing you something. Were some, you were some a gr- kind of pain. I, I almost let out an enormous yawn without <laughs> thinking. And then yeah. in doing so, laughed at myself and almost laughed. Okay. That. So, so it, it was, was actually all, it was all, all forms of, all of sort of damage. aggressive yes. avoidance of looking at Chris. Right. Because I was staring at you the entire time, <laughs> hoping that you would eventually open your eyes and look at me. And then no, immediately let out whatever it was. The moment would be there. Yeah, I'd be unable to not speak, and then it would be good. That's why I didn't look at you. I felt it, but I didn't look. I'm a pro now. Oh, pro cast. (laughs) It's pretty easy to be a pro. Just don't look at me during any time when anyone should be quiet or serious. (laughs) Nick, you know what it is? You probably do. You probably know. What is it, Jake? Uh, it's the second take of this podcast. Oh, <laughs> good old take two. Yay! Take two. Good old take two. Good old number two. We're number two. Strauss Zelda. Welcome to Battle Thumbs, everyone. Uh, we recorded this episode once and erased it, so uh, we're gonna no. Um, <laughs> Nick, you'll never guess what day it is. I, I actually don't know what day it is still. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Oh, well, that's a bummer because it's September 16th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs 228. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Danielle Riendo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. What? Oh, my God. The people who can't tell you guys apart, they I guess nothing will be attack. different, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't know. this is going to be a tough episode for them, but it No, won't. it's the same, the same one. As all it's the just me and, me and uh, Jake hanging out, me oh, and no, Nick. God, you guys yep, I mean... Just- <laughs> I'm Jake. How are you Rodkin. doing, Nick? I'm doing fine. Did you play some Mario Maker? No. <laughs> Wait, who am I? <laughs> Shit. I, I didn't know if I was you or me. Everyone played Mario Maker except Chris and Nick. It's a great Mario game. Jake, I want I want to hear your experiences because this game just came out on Friday. I've been playing it for a couple of weeks because I'm a lucky jerk. Uh, and I have been loving it for a couple of weeks. And I can finally tell people that I've been loving it as opposed to just... Uh, Dancing around hinting. saying like, oh, yes, I'm having a lot of fun with it, but I cannot give a review like thought. But it sounds like, Jake, you have been playing a fair amount of it. I've been playing less of Mario Maker than I would like because Mario Maker is really good. I will actually say. Why would you play less of it if it's really good? I've been playing less of it than I would like to have played because um, I just haven't been. I had a busy goddamn weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, Actually, though, the thing that I've been playing the most in Mario Maker, even though I like like the level editor is amazing. and I want to get back to that is. And, and Danielle, you, you talked about this when you talked about your your stupid, b- blessed press multiple, <laughs> multiple weeks of having this game before anyone yes. else. The thing that I've actually been liking the most about Mario Maker, uh, even though it is technically a mixed bag, is just the fact that it literally seems to contain 
Well, it, it contains a finite number of Mario levels right now, but it contains the potential to just deliver right. you infinite Mario yeah, forever. Yeah. Um, it took me a long goddamn time to get this set up because I never had a Nintendo ID associated with my account. I, I was mm-hmm. playing at a house and mm-hmm. someone didn't have Wi-Fi. There were about 15 <laughs> system updates, which I forgot was a thing because I haven't turned my Wii on in like yeah. two years. Oh, Man, no. turning on, turning on or since it's Mario Kart 8, basically. I have Wii disease okay. where you play Mario Kart, you don't turn on your Wii yeah. for months even you, for splatoon which i'm very sad about i my wii was at someone else's house that's it was all right sean's house then that's i got right. mario maker turned it on three system updates okay two system updates then i connected the wi-fi then two additional system updates <laughs> then i tried to join the online component had to create a nintendo id to associate with my account because i'd never done it then an additional system update occurred because of that wow so that was really good but in between all of those things i was getting acclimated to mario maker and then finally uh, I got into the multiplayer, or not multiplayer, but the sort of connected component yeah. and played the 100 Mario Challenge, oh, excellent! which, Danielle, you talked about before, but that is specifically the mode where it gives you a genericized world map, like a, a just looks like a totally generic Mario map, it says Princess has been kidnapped, and then it just gives you 16 Mario Maker levels that r- people have uploaded and have been flagged as easy medium or expert depending mm. on what difficulty mm. mode you choose and then it's just sorry does the user flag those or are they voted i on? actually don't know because i've never published a level with, it has to do with how many people are able to clear oh, oh it's nice. the completion it's, rate because it's, it's a percentage because it shows yeah. you um it shows you how many people have played it it shows you how many people have completed it mm. and the completion rate on the expert ones seem to be around four percent yeah, they're oh, wow. they're actually ridiculous but difficult. i'm sure that's because yeah. the abandonment rate on mario maker levels right. is very yeah, high yeah so I got into the create mode and it, it's impressive as all hell, but mostly I just kind of dicked around in it and then went, you know what I really want to do? Let's be honest with play myself. Mario? Play I just Mario. want to play Mario. <laughs> and y- y- is, there, is there a rule set and tile set that seem more used than others? Because it's, it's, it's what? Mario two 1, of them are, 3. are far more used than the others. It's 1, also, 3, uh, World, and one, New. 1, yeah. 3, World, and New Super Mario Brothers yeah. U. And I, I find it hard to judge if... The reason the tile sets are weighted in a particular way right now is because they're actually preferred or if it's because the game has a time delayed thing. So because mm. we're playing in launch week, when yeah. you buy Mario Maker, it says you get Mario 1 oh. and New Super Mario Brothers U. On day one. On day basically. one. Come back tomorrow and you get more stuff, but you Weird. don't yet get Mario 3. And so now you, need spe- so you need crazy. to spend at least uh, it's a certain amount of time in the editor each day to unlock oh, wow. new things wow. each day. They did make it a little faster but i i'm not entirely sure how fast it is now yeah. it's still very slow i yeah, still slower than honestly it should be. this is just super tangent but like metal gear is kind of structured in the same way it's interesting yeah yeah and nintendo did this with i mean it's not time well. based but you do have to play a bunch of no the, the upgrades unlock. those unlocks though are real time mm, so you're okay. sitting there waiting for 40 minutes to get the next gun or whatever yeah, it's as great. opposed Weird. to how much content. Yeah, you I mean, play some of them it, yeah. aren't, but as you go on, so, a lot of it is. Yeah, because the tile sets that you get at the beginning are Mario One and New Super Mario Brothers U. The levels are very aggressively weighted for yeah, those right now. Right, whereas well, that, only that people sense. who have been playing a ton or got it on day zero or who cheated their system clock. Right. Uh, a few of them exist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but just. <sighs> Which is only a little bit sad uh, because three and world are my favorite Mario games, and I want to see more of those yeah, games yeah, sort of represented. Yeah. But of course, like as time goes on, I think it's yeah, it be has totally the even. game also has a mode called Ten Mario Challenge, which Danielle also talked about a couple weeks ago, which is just 
I think that seems to be just playing. Uh, you get ten lives instead of a hundred lives, and you're playing games that, or levels that come on the disc, and that's a really wide range of stuff. Yeah. Clearly made by Nintendo's team. Yeah. Um, and it reveals that the potential for this thing is going to be very, very high. Um, Those are also the only things you can play in the offline mode. So if you're ever, I was playing the other night for a couple of hours actually, and I hit the server maintenance at time or whatever, and I was like, oh shit! Well, I gotta go play the Nintendo made levels then. And it was kind of like this yeah. is like the game's sort of like both starter kit and sort of backup the, for when the Nintendo made happening. levels are so good though They're at, great. Re- at yeah. revealing what I think is a huge appeal of Mario Maker, which is obvious, but it's just you can take. The things that come with Super Mario Brothers, the the the, the platformer like base set that we've known and loved as loved as you know forever, uh, and then they even Nintendo stuff very successfully like subverts the hell out of their own games in, in other so, levels in a way Nintendo that's really is fun. really good at that in general. Yeah, like with in, Mario in particular. Yeah, the the starter pack includes like World X dot X remix with like World One Two or World Three Six or whatever, where it's just the levels from Mario One. But then they just slowly degrade into complete insanity. <laughs> where like yeah. there was a we played a World One One remix, I think, uh, in in the in one of the early games of uh, whatever the the Ten Mario Challenge is, and it looks like One One. And then you go down into the pipe, uh, the first like pipe you can go into that just has a little room full of coins, but it looks slightly different than what you expect and then the first time you pick up a coin crazy dance music shows up and like disco lights start flashing and like lasers explode (laughs) and everything makes completely different sound effects and you go back upstairs and it's just mario brothers again and you're like what (laughs) what um but i don't know just being able to being able to have an unlimited untapped buffet buffet (laughs) of mario is is very appealing there's some really crappy stuff but people like what just like bad, just levels. bad levels. There's just oh, straight okay. up bad Whatever. levels. Well, yeah, I mean, of course. Um, yeah. The, that 100 Mario mode also reveals some things on the authoring side that I wish were different. And actually, um, if if anyone read Jeff Gersman's review of Mario Maker on Giant Bomb, he actually points these things out very succinctly in a way that I entirely agree with. But um, you can only make single levels as a creator in Mario Maker no right worlds. now. No worlds, which is a really big bummer because. The other and the other thing that you cannot do is uh, you cannot author question mark blocks that will put a mushroom out if you're small, but will give you a different power up if you're big. Mm. Um, and those two things combined mean that there is no sense of any of the any meta game challenge or any of the sort of meta like multi level progression that exists right. in a main Mario game because. Yeah. You yeah. entering a level small, then shrinking, then getting a mushroom, so you have an area that you could complete if you're just big, but if you played it well, you could optimally complete it yeah. by getting that upgrade. You can't author for that content. And then you also, as a creator, can't author the position of one-ups and life management as a thing in your level because it's functionally useless. Yeah. Right? Because the only thing that extra lives count for is... Uh, like they're turned into something else when you're playing the hundred Mario challenge. When you get one ups, they effectively just seem to give you like you can go up to a hundred, but you can never go above that, so they're useless. But they also at that like you too. get three in a level, and they give you cards that flip over at the end yeah. of a level that means something that I can't tell. But just sort of you can author all this very like mainline, super hardcore Mario content because Mario one, three, and World are like the canonical like hardcore classic Mario yeah. games. Yeah. But you can't do. Some of the really advanced stuff that actually like gives the gives level offering the entirety of that experience. Yeah, like, wait. Yeah, yeah. And 
it feels like they're so close because when you play the 10 Mario Challenge or the 100 Mario Challenge, it draws out a totally genericized world map that's just like an S-curve with dots on it. And it makes me wish that as a creator, you could have a new world button that lets you just choose how many saves you want and have it populate that S-curve with dots and then let you drag your levels into those and publish a world. You basically make a playlist. Yeah, it basically make a playlist where where your lives carry across. It would be a, I think... I think it would be the smartest ad they could make to the game as mm-hmm. people get more adept with it because people um, like you can also you can browse by most most faved levels and you can browse by uh, man there's a couple things there's like highest rated most played and yeah. and I then th- there's there's also I mean there are you can just follow your, difficulty you can, and you can follow creators and you can follow and stuff creators like that. yeah but that's cool. There's no uh, there's no tag support, so you can't tag a level, which is a big right. bummer. So you can't tag like autoplay or you mm, know, yeah, scary we, or, or yeah, sc- yeah. spooky um, or existential like, nightmare. Yeah, yeah existential exactly. Nightmare. <laughs> uh, but but what people are doing, who notice like people who are getting followed, are authoring levels that they just name. Uh, I figured that was definitely going to happen. So so and so, so and so, 1-1, so and so, 1-2, which I think is what Little Big Planet people did in the first game, and then the second game authored, allowed you to actually change stuff. I think that was Little Big Planet 1-2, but like, it's just a lesson that I wish Nintendo had brought, had looked at Little Big Planet and looked at what Mario's about and carried over because it already immediately feels like there's a ceiling Mm -hmm. that users are going to have to just shore up around themselves. Um, But... It's cool. Uh, do you guys want to talk now about it? Now want- it's like a bummer. I feel like it's a bummer now. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, everything else about it is amazing, but like the fact that you hit that realization so yeah. quick and that everyone hits that realization so quick is is really disappointing. But the the amount of just weird shit that you can find inside of the game that like the riffs on and sort of provides these great Mario experiences and is actually literally inside of a licensed Nintendo Mario game yeah. Right, yeah. is amazing in and of itself. But you just wish, like, yeah, with yeah. all Nintendo there's stuff... Some, there's something really interesting and unique. I was thinking about what like, what differentiates this from... I mean, these, obviously there are lots of things to differentiate this from, like, Minecraft or Little Big Planet or something like that. Obviously, they're somewhat different kinds of games and a million other things. But... Um, one of the things that makes it very different is that, you know, Jake, as you were saying, Mario is sort of the the platformer just baseline that we've all known for decades, right? but have never officially been able to create in that set before. So now it's like, here's here's a creation, a video game creation tool set, which is a thing that obviously there are, are lots of that exist in different forms, but it's like the second you start using it, you already understand the meaning of all the component parts in extreme to an extremely high level of specificity and like just decades of compounded associations. Yeah. And that and is a, that is a, a thing that would be, that is basically impossible to just create outside of, you know, bolting it on yeah, it's, to it's, a thing that's been part of the culture for many years. It, it, because it's, because it's super Mario brothers, especially because it's super Mario brothers, one, one, three world. And, and we and we you news my brothers it's all it's all the very easy 2d ones but because of that it means that you can make something that is from a fidelity standpoint could pass for canonical mario brothers right. like yeah. the equivalent to this is like giving people somehow an imaginary magical version of the ability to create your own like 
Mickey Mouse cartoon or your own like Roadrunner yeah, and right. Wiley yeah. Coyote cartoon that somehow you just drag the anvil and the like cliff in place <laughs> and then Chuck Jones comes in and directs it. But in this case, that doesn't have <laughs> right. to happen yeah, because yeah, the, yeah. the mechanics are just baked in yeah. perfectly into the editor. Like you make it. And what you've made is a Mario level that if someone didn't know it was in Mario Maker, they would just be like, oh, Nintendo really did a shitty job on this Mario level. Cause it, like, <laughs> And they put this weird drop shadow on everything. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. Also, you can turn into Waluigi in the middle of it uh, and like a disco party happens. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, you can, there's, there's those weird subversive elements, but you can make something that basically yeah, 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 for sure. Nintendo just gave you the keys to, mm-hmm. to just make mm-hmm. literally the exact content they would make, except – Except without a bunch of the details they have that make it really good. But uh, whatever. A, a thing that made me realize how weird and like good this is to exist was a, a Q&A with Miyamoto released, I think, by Nintendo of Europe. And they just asked him a bunch of different questions about various just sort of trivia. Not trivia, but just sort of <clears throat> behind the scenes kind of questions. And, and most of them were, were kind of just whatever. But one of them was, um, d- are there any levels that shipped in Super Mario Maker that you made and he said, no, no, I don't have anything in there, but I'll be sure to post something. What a yes. crazy thing that the guy <laughs> yeah. more associated with Mario than any other human, for obvious reasons, on the planet, like, he'll post, he's just going to, like, post something to Super Mario Maker. Like, what a crazy thing. good <laughs> thing it is. Anyway, I made World 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll post my wacky joke thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, amazing. There's also a, re- a really good video recently of... um. Miyamoto with what with the director of Super Mario three and like yeah, someone who's that. been yeah who's been working on the Mario series I have a question since about this video. Mario one I think uh, and they were just it was a Q and A I suppose and they were they ran through one one and they, they were, yeah they yeah. ran and they oh, ran through amazing, yeah. one one and Miyamoto just sort of explained of Mario one or three one one okay well the, the, okay so because one one of Mario three is also really interesting right. I, I just mentioned that because it was the guy's most no, I think yeah. like most notable thing yeah he worked on on but he was he also did, yeah. worked on on Super Mario one it just three was the first one that he personally he directed yeah. okay but but anyway that that was that's a separate like the 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 main reason I brought it up was because yeah as Danielle said. Like they ran through Mar- the original Super Mario Brothers one one, and Miyamoto kind of just explained like, here's why this is where this block was, and here's why this is where the Goomba, here's where the idea for Goombas came from, and like here's why we put the first one there, and here's why this is where the first mushroom was, and it was just such. I loved his uses of the word suspicious. Yeah. Did, did you, did oh, yeah. you note know that <laughs> suspicious? Yeah, a suspicious mushroom. mushroom. <laughs> That's uh, so amazing. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was really good. The thing that's so funny about that is that it really. If you make games, there's something about that that I think is really uh, sort of hits home because from his standpoint, he's talking about how there's a suspicious mushroom here and like this will cause the player to wonder about this and then we'll do that. But when you're actually playing it, especially when you're a kid, you're just kind of charging forward and you're reacting to everything in a completely like animalistic way. It's not that the things that he's saying aren't true. It's just that you're not processing them that consciously. You know, and that happens all the time when you're working Although, on a game and probably when you're making almost anything. And you're like, there's you can there's so much rationale that goes into making any creative work, but like 
pretty much everyone who experiences it is just going to charge I, through I do, it and not think that hard. I do think that Miyamoto, though, of, of all game designers, it does a better job of, like, even in that interview, I feel like the way that he spoke about that stuff, it was on a more sort of, like, primal level than yeah. most game developers would. You're you probably know? right. He I mean, understands just, that it's sort of a thought, like, you at see the, at the pool, you, deep at the bottom of your brain Yeah, he was just like, yeah. it makes you bigger, and then that makes you happy. I mean, that was, like, literally, so like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just like, yeah, you get bigger, so therefore you get, you're happy for, like, a second. <laughs> like, he spoke about it in very, like, simple terms, like, after that, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. For the most part, yeah, the, the overthinking is was the is uh, was funny. the. Moment. I mean, I don't oh, actually okay. think it's overthinking. I just think it 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 displays a like just a true and always mm. true yeah just difference in perspective between the mindset you have to be in to make something and the mindset you have to be in to play or read or watch or listen to something most of the time, unless you're deliberately experiencing it from a critical with a critical eye. Yes, yeah. you know the Mario three related stuff. Sorry, was this the interview? And the Q&A where someone finally proposed the sort of like fan observed theory that Mario 3 is a play. Yes. Yes. No, that was. That oh, was no, the, that was the other. That thing. was the, oh, the oh, first right. one I okay. mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that but, has come up, though. Yeah. Because uh, that's a thing that people, especially in the last couple of years, have, have talked about a lot about the idea. I hadn't that, heard of that. Because Mario 3 opens with the curtain, the curtain rising. Yeah. And because all of the stage decoration has drop shadow on it, that maybe the entirety of Mario 3 is actually a play. And in this video, which I haven't seen, Miyamoto says, yeah, that's correct. Is he, that, just, he, he just, just kind of nods. Head, yes. He gives a big <laughs> nod of his head okay. to confirm uh, yes. So uh, our friend, our friend Ollie, Ollie Moss, uh, watched that interview and told me about it. And then he gave me his theory as to where that lands in the Mario canon. And it is my favorite goddamn <laughs> thing in the world. Oh, my God. Because his, his, his proposal about this is that Mario 3 – so uh, if you look at like Mario Tennis and Mario Kart and Mario Party, all these characters are now friends. Yeah, and his mm-hmm. theory about this is that Mario Three is the play that they stage that is about their history after they've all become <laughs> friends and peace has been declared. So uh, Mario Three chronologically takes place after all the other Mario it takes four place platformers. After, after the no, yes, and and like like Many basically a later. generation after yeah. you know, the characters are cartoons, so they don't age, but it's sort of yeah. like yeah. it is the retelling of of sort of the the stylized retelling right. on stage of, of the great struggle yeah. between Mario and these people back before <laughs> they reconciled and then all yeah. played it's very wind waker yeah and before yeah. they all before yeah. they all played tennis and had parties and <laughs> raced carts together and were just generally buds uh, back when they were opposed right. uh, which yeah. i think is an amazing that's a really good interpretation yeah that so is... that's that's what mario 3 is if <laughs> anyone was wondering I mean, that's the same interview, the one where he admits or whatever that it was all a play, is the same interview where he, a fan asked him who is, you know, Bowser Jr.'s mother, and Miyamoto points to himself, saying, like, yes, <laughs> I, I am his mother. Good, what a good interview. Like, oh, what a, yeah, great interview. I wanted to ask you, Jake. Um, Me? I wanted to ask you. So, I have a whole uh, sort of reasoning for why i think the editor is so much better than than little big planet's editor and that is just because oh, everything is grid based and easy to kind of figure out and all of mario sort of maps to that really perfectly um even though i really like little big planet i'm i'm somebody who did make a lot of levels in that and really enjoyed it and i even used it to like teach a class once basically just sort of learning platformer design stuff so it was really good but i wanted to hear your thoughts on the editor itself as well as the cool musical kind of stuff that goes on in the editor when you're actually dragging well, things in and like it's actually. I actually, going to the music. I actually didn't play Little Big Planet that much. Okay. I played the plot. I played the. I played a lot of Little Big Planet levels, but I found the editor. That was that was the. Same I found thing. the editor very very hard to get into, and 
it seems like the biggest difference between Mario Maker and Little Big Planet, aside from the fact that Mario Maker is on a grid, is that Little Big Planet, the entire game, seems way more enamored with simulating everything, and Mario Maker mm-hmm. has no interest in in that. Where Little Big Planet is all about well, like Mario the game does. Yeah, Mario the yeah. game doesn't. Whereas Little Big Planet is like create huge cylinders that you can walk on, but also if they become untethered from the world, physics will make them roll through the world and crush enemies and knock the little swinging things around. Whereas Mario Maker is just like, there are blocks that you jump on. Fuck off. Everything works mechanically perfectly. Yeah, Mario Mario, Mario exactly is about the sort of geometric precision of your movement versus the world. Um, And because of that, I think you're totally right, Danielle, that the Mario Maker editor... It, I mean, just inevitably is going to be cleaner. It's right? just it's cleaner. Just how it's going to yeah. be. Um, and man, the thing that I wish that I remember about Little Big Planet is what the difference was between editing and playing, because I'm sure that it is probably technically just as seamless as the Mario Maker one. But the way that Nintendo puts together the feeling of going between the editor and playing the game in this, like, it just feels like transcendent and just yeah. delicious. I don't know how to even describe it. Like you just feel happy when you play <laughs> well, some you blocks. Can s- switch back and forth at any time, right? Yeah, but I, I like that's the thing. I, I think you can in Little Big Planet. I think Little Big Planet, you actually I could be completely Oh, do you have to wrong. make a build in no, Little no, Big no, Planet? No, 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 no. I think you actually are the Sackboy character walking around editing the level. And, and then so you I sort of you get a jetpack and you fly yeah. around. Yeah. You've got a little thing and so I think you actually can just immediately Yeah, yeah, whereas Mario Maker is deliberately modal Right, and I think they really make that. Like you feel. are a disembodied hand. Yeah, you are but literally. At any moment, but any moment you can Mario become Mario. Mario. So like, yeah. you're you're placing your blocks, and you can use the analog sticks to to scroll Mario around the map. Like Mario is basically the center point of the map. He's not your cursor. He's just always in the middle of the editor all the time. Your cursor is literally you work on the Wii U remote, and you dr- you drag things in with a touch interface. Which also means that it's probably always going to be more approachable than Little Big Planet, sure. and I hadn't thought yeah, about or that before. Any console based, yeah. The yeah. fact that you have and a stylus and an actual grid that you can just paint on the way you yeah. do with a yeah. mouse uh, is intense. But then there's an edit slash play toggle in the bottom corner, and when you press play, physics like Mario physics just start applying to Mario. He just drops onto whatever block you're on, and you have the analog sticks and the face buttons there, and you can just make yourself run around. And then you press play. Yeah, that's awesome. And the drop shadow like widens again, and you back in editing mode. Um, and like, it's a Nintendo game made in the post Super Mario Galaxy world, so it has <laughs> this like super, like. I mean, I was gonna start talking about Mario Paint for a second, but I guess I'll hold off on that for a second. <laughs> oh, please do. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's actually Mario Paint. This feels actually in a lot of ways like somehow it's the sequel <laughs> to Mario yeah. Paint. Yeah, um, because it Mario Paint has this sort of like really chill but fun soundtrack that's running through it where like even though you're in a paint yeah. program it's a nintendo paint program so there's gonna be some like wacky jazzy like lounge lobby elevator yep. music that's playing that then gets surprisingly saucy when you change what tool you're using <laughs> and stuff and mario maker does that as well like it has a goddamn robot voice this is mario maker when you drag certain things <laughs> around question, and question question is that what yeah. it does when you drag question mark yeah, it says like, question it, whatever you're <laughs> Is that what's happening? Yeah, whatever you're dragging in, there's like a little voice that's like... (laughs) Block, 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 brick, brick, brick. Is that like what it's doing? Jesus. It It says question, question, question. I'm pretty sure it's like... (laughs) Okay, yeah. There's a weird robot voice that comes in on top of this like loungy arrangement of like if you're playing with the Mario 1 overworld, you hear as your tile set, you hear the classic Mario music and then you can... Like there's, there's sort of two big toggles. There's which game you're editing, which is... Mario 1, 3, World, or New Super Mario Brothers, U, Wii U, whatever. 
And then, uh, which is the, the bad Mario. Yeah. Uh, and then within each of those, there's a day, night, and I guess you later unlock castle and a couple of other tile sets. And castle and ghost house and... And your level just completely yeah. dynamically rethemes within either of these two axes, and the music changes, and the tile set changes, and everything changes. But on, in addition to that, um, the editor music is completely authored to be around those themes, so you'll be having that music on, then when you press play, it goes from the sort of loungy Mario paint music to right. suddenly just like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, and you're like, oh, it's the Mario music. And then you notice only after you've gone back and forth between those a couple times yeah. that it's a perfectly contiguous interactively composed composition like just everything is just so goddamn smooth it's disgusting yeah, and that was that koji great. kondo famed mario composer who did all the remixes for this oh, of really? course it's koji kondo okay, stuff. that's that's really interesting yeah. because i i was just thinking to myself and i guess it's that guy but like or maybe <laughs> it's that guy but i was wondering to myself who at nintendo is responsible for the weird like 10 to 20 year long at this point trend of nintendo really doubling down on like lounge slash elevator music <laughs> as the sort of palette that <laughs> like because, the Wii shop and everything. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then, and, and a lot of their games use that weird style. Like Mario Kart kind of does that more than yeah. like in terms of like a major franchise. Mario Kart's got like a Samba thing going on with it though as well. But, but Samba is like, I think, but if, then, if you just it's, chill it out, uh, it's basically the same. Yeah, it's yeah, elevator it just music or like do, supermarket do, do, music or something, yeah. you know, like that's all, it's all in kind of, a, a, but like, a similar space to me. That's got to be Koji Kondo, though, because oh, even like totally Mario 3 map music is just like, yeah. is just like, Chilling basically, out. boop, boop, We boop, used to put boop, that on. Boop, boop, that's yeah. true. Boop, what a funny boop, musical boop, legacy boop. that guy has, because, his, because, <laughs> like, it's just, because the place he started off with Mario is like really assertive, ragtime-influenced, like very active music, and it's very But that has never left either. That's the thing about that. Is that like, Mario 3... It, like when you're just chilling out, it's just like supermarket music, and then it just like boop 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 boop. Yeah, like it just yeah. like it can't fucking stop with yeah. like with just like basically you just imagine that guy and Miyamoto jamming out on a banjo yeah. on a piano, basically. Yeah, I saw that guy play piano in person once, oh, and no way. he awesome. did like a medley of stuff, and it was just that. Like he just started with the ragtime thing, and then just went into like loungy thing. And oh, that's just, awesome! Just like transition for like twenty minutes. He was what just, an like, unusual, interesting composer. Like what? Yeah. A, like, completely. Oh, he was like the most pleasant man too he was just like the smiliest dude you know just like so happy he's had a good life or a professional life anyway yeah don't know anything about his life he gets his best ideas in the bathtub he told me i interviewed him right after mario maker was you didn't come up that's the best and it was about mario maker and it was like you know right after it was this was announced at uh e3 like whatever year or two ago and he's just i was just like where do you come up with this you know all these crazy things that you've you've kind of composed he's yeah, like, of course there's in the bathtub the loudest place it's possible for a person to be his toy boat going doo, 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 doo. <laughs> but then what you what you see is the camera pans <laughs> up the music and he has his banjo water. hung up above his bathtub so when yeah, he's really yeah. feeling yeah. right into it you just know changes it up no he's just got a toy piano that's just you know waterproof well hopefully before he even touches an instrument he's just lying in like a bubble bath full of bubbles with like his face poking out from it just kind of that's a really beautiful yeah image i i find one of the most interesting things about this game i know i'm talking about this game a lot but it's whatever it's been fascinating to sort of see the you know the difference between the sort of media levels and then the 
actual real yeah. human beings who are normal and, and make levels. Uh, it's been Who's really interesting. Who's better, press or gamers? Well, <laughs> it's been a little more inconsistent since it's come out. I'll say that. But but um, the the point I wanted to make uh, was what, pre- what members of the press have the worst levels because they shouldn't. They have no business being video unethically game unethically making Mario levels basically. It's it's been really interesting to see Nintendo. I just mean if they're not true gamers, right? Because yeah. they're all fakes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're all okay. fakes. You won't believe Fakely these ten journalists fakes. and their Mario Maker and their levels. shitty Mario and Maker their levels. Shit, Mario's. That would be actually a good good roundup. Actually, yeah. We I should do it if I don't want to work again in this business. I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Worst Mario levels by journalists. <laughs> Or, can you search or game by creators. user in any way? You or can. You can, you can, you can by like, basically... Video game can you journalist? search by... Yeah. <laughs> you can't tag it so no one can check. You can't do that, but... <laughs> Look at this bullshit Chris Kohler put up. <laughs> oh, no. Calling him out right here and now. Yeah, I don't know what Chris Kohler made. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it's been really interesting to sort of follow this whole trend. So I, I feel like this game is a really direct sequel to the things they were doing with NES Remix. And they first sort of started letting their hair down a little bit with mm. Mario and saying, like, yeah, play 1-1, one, one, but it's on ice. Or play 1-1, one, one, but you're the princess and you have to rescue The common Mario. theme is the really awkward drop shadow. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, That's man. definitely an NES Remix, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. And it feels like they had started doing all this stuff and... and I don't know this for a fact, but it feels like it, it directly sort of came out of experimenting with old NES games and saying, oh, hey, you know, what if we let people, you know, sort of play around with these well, different Nint- rules? I really think Nintendo, I mean, maybe that's the most direct kind of full release, but I, I feel like Nintendo has had that streak for a long time, for, for a long time creatively. Yeah. Like I, and I think part of it comes from the fact that they've been, you know, this series has gone on for so long. I mean, longer than almost any other, you know, current, I mean, probably longer than any current other actually still, kind of po- still popular video game yeah. franchise. That's true in, um, multi- in multiple and, ways, too, because I feel like Super Mario 3D World is also very clearly the sort of opposite side of this, which is the peop- like the team who's been making Mario Brothers. That, well, that's what I was going to say. Some people, even since Mario 1, right, Mario exactly. 3D World is like, there's let's, so much there's continuity. so much, and there's just mechanical and aesthetic, like, self-reflection and right. weird callbacks and just mm-hmm. sort of... Like bringing bringing things making, up out of the vault in ways that you yeah. can't that yeah. series for that long and you you've actually been on that team that long of course you're going to want to do weird shit and yeah. like find ways to like in, invert or subvert things you yourself or your coworkers did in the past like it's and i'm glad that that actually happens yeah know? no i am too and, it, and it's awesome and actually bob Mackey at us gamer wrote an awesome piece last week about sort of the through line of uh, Nintendo making games where you create cool stuff. And Mario Paint was obviously in it. Uh, yeah. WarioWare DIY was a game mm, a few yeah. years ago that I love. That was actually like really kind of takes you from zero to at least a tiny little game. That sort of thing. I thought you were going to say hero. Zero to hero. Zero to Wario. Zero to number one party star. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> no time flat. But what's interesting about this is that it's Nintendo still being Nintendo and still having this ridiculous sort of control over this stuff because of what's been happening on YouTube with all, like, Nintendo is being extremely aggressive about takedown notices what and people bummer. who are like, so you, you can upload a level and then this has happened to me on my own YouTube channel several times already where you upload a level, you know, share it and it's exciting and then it's like content matched within 30 seconds uh, and That's Nintendo so will like be like, nope, you, you can't do, do this. Care? What are What's their criteria? Crazy about that is like you can make any level you want, you can do all this stuff, you can share it on the internet, but you can't share it on YouTube because then you might make money What's off the, of it or so something. Strange. <laughs> it's weird and while we're talking about YouTube, um, 
there because, was like, okay yeah because the I, the one of the most effective pieces of marketing they could have possibly gotten for this game you know among people who don't who aren't who don't like follow all the video game websites right. and stuff in which case okay whatever fine those people will see it on those websites but like among other people like i don't really read video game websites and but the thing that i've seen of this game most is, is YouTube. a YouTube video yeah. of that crazy fucking Waluigi, yep. like, extravaganza. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wal- Waluigi's ex- existential horror. It's not called that, but that's, like, the theme of that yeah. level, which is really cool. And and such an example of, again, the just completely awesome, bonkers creativity that this tool set allows for. There, it, we could, Maybe we can link it even in the, in the notes or whatever, but this is a level where you are Waluigi and spelled out in coins is this sort of horror narrative about being Waluigi and the nature of identity and, and all this other wacky stuff. And it's really actually pretty disturbing and weird and awesome that like, oh yeah, this happy, awesome little game. I love that Somebody the, made this weird at, alt game horror thing out of it. So in, in Mario Maker, we should talk about this for half a second. There, <laughs> you can you can imbue Mario with the ability to become other yes. characters, which I think is based on Amiibo costumes, stuff. There's yeah. costumes for Mario that like any Amiibo, which is the Nintendo mm. like collectible statue right. that you can get, Mario can dress himself up as that. So there are question mark blocks that will reveal a mushroom that have themselves have a question mark on them and if you touch those you'll become a character that the level author has has chosen that you can become so there's like some people have made like metroid fan levels that use mario mechanics but you play as samus or zero suit samus or whatever but in this one you you play as waluigi um yeah that's i just wanted to quickly yeah sorry yeah the the actual how it works listeners you should just look it up yeah just search for you know, Mario Maker Waluigi level, and I'm sure you'll find it. Horror. The best thing about that Waluigi level, I think, and I don't I don't feel this is a big spoiler, but is is the actual straight up end of it where the end it is revealed by the design of the level that You have to yeah. Waluigi must to finish the level. We're, we're saying too much. We, we are saying a little too much. But yeah. it's it's yeah. awesome and cool, and I just think it's cool. I think it sucks that Nintendo is being so weird about YouTube uploads, but I also think the game itself is so cool, and that's mm-hmm. totally the line that Nintendo walks all the time with yeah. being like, oh, creativity, and, and be yourself, and share this with the world, but don't share it too much. Like, yeah, it's a weird yeah. line that they cross. Anyway, it's it's an awesome game. Obviously, we've been talking about it forever, but it's a really, really cool game. Super Mario Maker. Yeah. Speaking, of, speaking of games with M's <laughs> in them, the other Whoa. game that we've talked about <laughs> forever for the last it's like, the month, cast. I guess, is Metal Gear Solid Five. Yes. Which Nick, I take it, is the only game that you are currently playing still. Yeah, pretty much. How <laughs> how many hours are you in? Danielle asked me this yesterday, so I went and looked it up. Um, yep. Because I actually completed the, I guess the game. Although oh, when you complete the game, it says stay tuned for chapter two, and then of course chapter two immediately starts after that. What a weird. <laughs> what? Thing. Why would? It, why do they continuously tell you to stay <laughs> so tuned? There, there are multiple times at the end of this game where like Snake gets on a helicopter. Like the camera is facing the helicopter, the camera, or the the helicopter flies into the camera, freeze frames, you know, as if like someone's just gonna give like a high five and a thumbs up, and then it just says to be TV themes yeah. playing in the background. Oh, oh it was, and then it says it says to, you know, nice. to be continued comes up on screen, it fades down and then fades up, and then you're just in the helicopter, and then you just hit like the mission. And then you keep playing. It's ho- so weird. Hopefully the theme from Perfect Strangers is still playing. There you go. Right. God, what a weird game. So does it but so I'm okay, so I don't actually even understand what you're saying. So yeah. does the <laughs> does the like 
<laughs> story of the game keep going, or are you just in New Game Plus basically at this point? It's a bit of both. They <laughs> what? Of they, course it they, is. They, what they, the story continues, um, but it's very clear that there's it, less of it. There's well, not only that, but there are. It's it's strange. It's actually kind of uh, poorly done in a way where they reuse levels. Um, but they sort of forgot to cut out the original, like, or the, 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 you know, the first version of the sort of like, uh, voiceover, like, setup and ending for each right. of the, th- so like, what? You, like the, you forget the, the level, the level why? description, the level description is, you know, whatever, like, oh, we have to go do this thing that is sort of narratively consistent with what chapter two is about. And then you go into the level and it's just like, Snake, we've got to stop Skullface or whatever, which is the whole story of chapter one. And like, none of it makes any sense. Like, what? So you're, like, in the, you're in the new game plus minus right now. Kind of. Yeah. It's very odd. It's, the minus, uh, world. it's minus world. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, there are some original missions. Um, and then there are some that are purported to be original missions that are actually just recycled missions. There are some that are very clearly labeled extreme version of the first mission. So you're deep, you're uh, deep into Metal Gear Solid five was not finished territory. Yeah. Right oh now. yeah. It's yeah. very clear. <laughs> it's really strange. It is one of the strangest That's things so, I've I experienced in a game. I haven't seen that mentioned anywhere. It's, it, Honestly, there are so many things about it. It's such a large game. I think that yeah. I, it's just going to take a bit for it to sink in how strange <laughs> this game is. Because I mean, like, because there's the superficial strangeness that right. everybody's recognized. The obvious strangeness. Then there's just everything else that is just bizarre, <laughs> like the ending itself, which I won't obviously mention. But anybody who's played it, I have no idea what's going on there. <laughs> like, and not in the Kojima way, not in yeah. the, not, yeah. not in the like insane way, but just in a. I don't actually know what this is supposed to say. Like, I don't, it's very simple, but very inexplicable. Um, it's very simple, but very inexplicable. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've played it, I guess, at this point, 22, 23 hours, which for me is That's not like, even like ludicrous in terms of talking. No. About, oh, they've read, they forget, they forgot to finish the game. You know, that's like a thing I would expect. You know, 100 hour game. 147 hours in, and they just stopped. <laughs> it's weird. The game just is different. Like, yeah. they just stopped making it or something. I don't know. I can't tell. God. But I mean, you're in the I amount mean, of time that people tell you you have to get that far before a Final Fantasy game starts getting right. good. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people have spent like 50 or 60 hours getting to the point that I'm at. Um, so you're just, I don't you're, know what you're they're basically doing just humble bragging right now. Well, I mean, you might be the best. Some Metal people Gear take 60 hours to get to this far in the game. NBD. <laughs> anyway, in my playthrough, Same. nothing makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, but you're still enjoying yourself. Clearly. I am. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm very much enjoying myself. All, I mean, it does, it does really just even systemically get very strange. Um, the game turns into uh, very quickly different versions of other games that have been cobbled together to create the sort of end game of this game. So you're playing. Poke- I don't even know what that means? What does playing- that mean? You're playing Pokemon. You're playing um, oh, Clash I of do, Clans. Do you're playing. You yeah, because you're the, playing cause- all of these separate weird components that have just are very clearly just. <laughs> Oh, this is our version of this thing. Right. It's just slotted well, in even here. even really early on, you get the base management. And yeah, but it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't quite take off until you get to the point that I'm at, and now the whole game is about that. Where oh, there's a fr- like essentially a free to play system built into this thing where oh, you, have spend, yeah, you have to spend yeah, yeah. spend money to like unlock more bases 
and then build up your bases and people can invade your bases and you can have like a nuclear deterrent for their invasions and just insane <laughs> shit. You you like station guards at all yeah. these places. Wait, this is like, like yeah, there's actual microtransactions involved with this? Yeah, yeah, there's a microtransaction if you so oh my you God. get the so whole so, game, so you yeah. start with your base um and you spend Does this 15, all just progressively happen in the campaign? Yeah, they are unlocking major components of this game straight up to the credit sequence and then beyond. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's, straight up it's, to the credit sequence and the next credit sequence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the I mean, that. That. yeah. Um, but no, so you, you start with your base, and then at a certain point, you unlock your forward operating base, which is just another base that is the exact same thing that you can also upgrade in the same amount of levels and the same in the is exact it same. Aesthetically the same? Oh, yeah. The same? They're, all, oh, they're all the same. On. I mean, you can wow. change the color if you want to, I think. You better. Whatever. I didn't. <laughs> You have uh, red base. <laughs> you can put a Samus yeah. costume on it. It's, it's Clash of Clans. So you, mm. you, you sort of like set your defenses and then at any time somebody can invade your base, which, you know, doesn't trigger anything in your instance of your game. But They, they start warning you about this in the loading screens yes. really early on before you I have know. any ability to also, know Also, the about. warning isn't strong enough because I still didn't know what this was about <laughs> and then started doing it and realized I was fucking myself completely <laughs> oh, no. because the second you attack somebody else's base, they know you've attacked them and then they get a little thing that says, oh, you should go attack Nick's base. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't have any guys. I got no guns. I didn't do any of this shit. I just rushed to the end of the stupid game. <laughs> so, like, my base was just wide open. Somebody just walked in and stole all my stuff because I just didn't know I was supposed to do it. Thanks, Kojima. Um, Thanks, Kojima. But, yeah, like, you... Metal Gear. Yeah, it's super weird. You get... you what can a strange game this is. You can get all of these bases. They essentially turn into, like, VR like levels. We, you know, this episode, you... are the two games we talked about so far, are some of the most sort of interesting games yeah. mm. to have been released interesting mainstream games to have been released in quite a while yeah. for totally different reasons but major just, japanese just games fascinating yeah. odd things it's very very odd <laughs> what <laughs> I mean, a world we live in yeah i can poop from my horse now um, oh yeah. Sorry, you can poop from your horse, or you can make your horse poop. Oh, uh, sorry, I can make my horse poop. By the poop way, from the horse works at a very, very extreme range. So my horse can oh, be like a works. thousand. Well, you, you can oh, command you can your horse your, poops. Uh, I was, I was like, poops. you know, like deep into a mission, and my horse was like waiting at the gates for me, and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> the command is called do it, and then <laughs> you just go, D horse, do it, and he just poops like a mile away. You just, you can just, you know, imagine him I pooping. Horse, do it. Supercut. I want a Dior's Do It remix. Yeah. In that situation where Chris was able to summon his horse from across the entire map, I mm. imagine he could have told his horse to poop had he had that power. It's true. The whole yep. way he could have had his horse pooping. Uh, <laughs> Leaving a trail. Then you could have followed it back. Yeah. Oh, there man. Breadcrumbs are for the weak. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about horse shit. That's right. Nice, nice clean trail of horse poop. Yeah. I mean, Pond I will dragon. say that I'm still Clean finding trails. things that this game does really well that um, are... That's are a good... Just, I can make my horse poop anywhere. I'm, I'm finding <laughs> I mean, things this game just does really well. <laughs> I mean, subtle, subtle things that I, I haven't really like seen talked about a lot. Like, um, uh, I was playing one of the missions that is very much like um, the Far Cry 2. I talked about this, um, I guess, last week or the week before, but where... Uh, there's a convoy that's heading down a road. You know the right. path yeah, of the yeah, convoy, yeah. and you, you can mm -hmm. basically set a point to intercept it. Um, I was playing the extreme version of that, oh. which is really hard. Uh, all of the version. tanks are just impossible to kill. So your setup has to be perfect. And you have to sit there 
like perfectly crafting like the mind layout. It was a disaster. I should have been streaming it because what happened was I sat there for at least 10 or 15 minutes, at which point you could have been playing music. But the thing I want to talk about is that, um, so, you know, I had like eight C4 charges on the ground. I had mines behind that in case the convoy made it through. I had like my, you know, rocket launcher pulled up. I had everything tagged. Like my, my crazy mech thing was like waiting to the side, just like perfectly like, you know, (laughs) rumbling just in anticipation. (laughs) And then, you know, I'm just sitting there and I can see the convoy in the distance and it's just stopped. I waited for like 10 minutes for this thing to like trigger its next stage. It's like, it's actually, they do a weird job of like, perfectly recreating what it would actually be which is that it's not just driving in a circle like mario kart it's like no they stop they get out they like talk and then they move on so i'm sitting there like oh i can see these guys yeah shit this is oh and so it just like built up this crazy tension and of course like three minutes before like they're rolling down the road and i'm just sitting there like twiddling my thumbs (laughs) and i just hit the button that triggers the c4 and there are eight of them so they all go off like in rapid succession like a machine gun and i see every head i'm like on this cliff (laughs) that is like looking down at a huge base and i've got my i've got my goggles on you know my, my like binoculars on so i can see in this huge base Every head in that base just snaps to look straight at me. Oh, and then, God. you know, over the radio, they're like, oh, boss, there's, there, you, you screwed up, boss. Now they're going to really, they're going to be really going fast now. You're, 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 you better, you better catch them. And so, like, they're, they're like, they, you can, I watched the convoy and they just gun it. They're like God, doing the like 80 boss mi- needs right there for someone to tell me, fuck, fuck. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I blew yeah, up I, all my C4 everywhere. <laughs> Everyone saw the explosion yeah. the like, size oh, like, of a house. <laughs> I heard on the radio that you're an idiot. Uh, and so this tank is now doing like 80 miles an hour, like going oh down this road. And I just started to panic. And so like, so the, the first um, armored vehicle hits the mines, which didn't explode. But I hadn't laid enough of them down and they weren't powerful enough. So it just blew out the tires. And so all it did was the, the thing just stopped and turned and just looked at me and was like, what are you doing? And then just shot me in the face. Then I reloaded and I played it through normally. The thing I actually wanted to say is that in the run-up, in the run-up to all of this, what's really interesting is that uh, because I was thinking about the stream that we did with Far Cry 2 um, and and you playing music, this game actually dynamically triggers music for even, not just for missions, but for Uh for even just like if you're out walking around and it knows, oh, this is a moment where you're creeping around and it should, I should probably trigger this cue. It does that in almost every case that you'd want it to. So like the stories that I have about this game were like us streaming it. It would, in a weird way, we'd be undercut because this game is like, it's, it's sort of like covering all the bases of just creating these moments. It's like the grenade rolling down the hill. Like I said before, it like happens all the time and it's not remarkable because the AI is so good or at least, you know, it sells itself so well that it's just, well, yeah, of course he was going to, the grenade was going to roll down the hill and somebody was going to pick it up and do a stupid (laughs) thing. You know what I mean? It just all plays out the way you would expect. Um, it's a crazy game. I yeah. went, when you were talking about accidentally triggering your your C four, oh, I God. I was picturing your face basically looking like the face of one of the guys in a genre of animated GIF I really enjoy, which is <laughs> guy creating impossibly ambitious domino tower right. and then ac- accidentally, <laughs> oh, man. accidentally like knocking over the one domino that makes the entire thing cascade, and then that face, the little just like. Com- Every ounce of of worth is drained out of that that person's. I mean, 
uh, that is what I imagined on you. It was that. Yes. And then it was just extreme fury. And I, I mean, I, I skipped over the part where I played this mission 10 times oh, God. and tried different things. Like I was on horseback with a rocket launcher at one point. I was so pissed. I was just chasing this convoy <laughs> down the road, shooting rockets off of my yeah. horse. Like As I actually, and poop, yeah. I could see, yeah, yeah. I could see down in the base. So I was like, well, maybe I should just shoot them while they're in the base. And so I was just firing rockets down into this base. And of course, like the first time I tried that, I shot this tank and it just, just slowly the barrel just turned towards me fired one shell and it just like just blew me to shreds like it was like a perfectly placed like fuck you you idiot like it was so good boss looks like you're dead (laughs) oh man yeah i'm playing as a woman now too which is actually on that it's it's perfect except for i will say the um it's a really weird choice uh, in another instance of this game feeling slightly unfinished where they chose to use for the sound effect when you get tired from running, which you run a lot in this game. So it happens a lot. They just picked off the, the they, they just, you know, um, uh, borrowed the sound effect where like, I guess any woman in the game would get like shot or like injured or, or like just, you know, whatever. So instead of sounding tired, she just sounds like she's dying every like <laughs> like 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 she's really out of shape or something. Yeah. It's really distracting. I mean, it's obviously sure. lame, but it's yeah. also really just distracting because uh, I just sound like I'm dying all the time now. <laughs> like uh, uh, that's what it sounds like. It is very strange. It makes the game into a really weird thing. Anyway, um, just, what were you gonna say? Well, I was just on that. I wanted you probably. I'm sure you know this better than I do by now. But uh, last week when you talked about the, you know what the process of of playing mm. as a female character by recruiting you know by like yeah we all kind of had it wrong yeah it's not that there's just one that's it's just that female soldiers are less common than male mm-hmm. soldiers yes but, but there are just a bunch who you can i have a lot now and in yeah. fact it's almost i wouldn't say it's half but it's close it's yeah. i have a lot of, cool. of women yeah. um and yeah they did a they did a decent job i mean the 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 you know the skeletal rig is is fairly close to snakes although when you, I mean, in addition to the exhausted uh, sound effect, her face doesn't quite map to his face. So when she's like panting or like really exhausted, her like upper lip like recedes up into the top. <laughs> so she looks like a like a vampire. Or, like it just makes her look insane, which is kind of cool. Like I'm just playing as this really crazy chick with a ponytail. Yeah. It's just like. <laughs> And, like, she's covered in blood, you know, all the time from just killing men. Like, it's kind of good. It, the whole effect of it is so really nice. she does look fact, like an MMA fighter. Basically. And, in fact, next to Quiet, who is also, like, covered in blood most of yeah. the time. Or, like, has him covered in blood. Like, you just look like a pair of insane chicks just hunting down assholes. Which is, it sort of That's changes, great. It changes yeah. the context of that whole relationship, right. I feel. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm glad that they supported it because uh, it's actually nice not playing a snake because I once you get that weird horn, it's sort of just I don't know. Well, I, he just has a devil horn. It's just weird. God. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, you guys want to take a break? I want to talk about one thing really quick yeah. related oh, to yeah. both Mario and Metal Gear, which is actually from the Adult Thumbs forums. Oh sure. Uh, because it's in regards to Danielle, what you were talking about last week about how. You think there's a lot of interesting things about Quiet's character in Metal Gear Solid, but they are yeah. entirely undercut by is. the incredibly personified weird c- camera moves camera, that just yeah. decide to zoom in and out. Um, and it, it reminded uh, a reader, Secret Agent Man, on our forums about some who stuff. Who sent us all the candy. Who sent us all the candy. Oh, yeah. Thank of, you again a thing that, we, that. We, we talked about um, how 
Lakitu is the cameraman in Mario 64. Oh, yeah. We've talked about like Lakitu's liberal bias when he's not showing you or whatever <laughs> else. So uh, yeah. David on the forum said, Danielle describing the Metal Gear Solid camera when quiet is on screen almost sounded like she was personifying the camera, which is totally accurate. The camera is basically a gross character. But uh, anyway, <laughs> which then somehow uh, led me to thinking of it being manned like in Mario 64, which in turn led me to imagine Lakitu being the Metal Gear Solid cameraman. Now in my mind, Lakitu is a perverted turtle thing that likes to fly around on his cloud and film women's cleavage. So the idea of Lakitu himself being a character in Metal Gear Solid who's just doing really gross rack zooms on butts and stuff is yeah. really yeah. funny to me. Related to this, yeah. there's there's a really good video that does that i don't know what the process is to achieve this but you know people on pc always figure this shit out someone swapped the models of revolver ocelot and quiet yes you know, oh, who are two like characters who exist in cutscenes in this game and it is amazing because yep. it really like if you if you are ever tempted to be like oversensitive like oh it's just this is just what no fuck off like yep. you it it is the this difference between how these two characters are treated by the camera is just fucking outrageous in how broad how wide the gulf is and it also is just hilarious to see Ocelot with the, the sexy poses yeah, in the helicopters, yeah, exactly. um, in the yeah, shower really, stuff. Really oh my god! Man, the so the sexy poses are one thing, but like when you described the camera movement being really shitty and how it mm. and how it like centers on quiet, it's like, like boobs, cleavage right and there. Butt, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that it was just like aggressive framing. But then, like when I when I watched that video of of the, the quiet Ocelot swap. I thought that the game had like a shadow of the Colossus thing where you could press a button that would zoom, and then I realized that you can't, and that the game is actually you can. Actually. Oh, so in that in that so in that video, <clears throat> that was what was going on. I can't remember because that video like zoom zooms over to like I mean to Revolver Ocelot's butt, and then it just goes and like as he's walking away, it oh, zooms yeah. in to follow. And was like, was that a directorial choice or was that a player? If choice? it's a, if it looks kind of snappy, it's not directorial. Oh, like, he, the, never, he never the does a snap probably zoom. Was directorial the follow was, but then yeah. then the player making that video. I mean, look, there's no by zooming in I, after playing okay. 25 hours of this game. It's there. I mean, in there's, in, there's in the helicopter, no the stuff. Yeah, there's no yeah, excuse. Sure. And in the helicopter, that's like. It's just you can't avoid it, really. If she's on a mission with you, she just starts doing weird fucking animations. Yoga, in your face. like but sexy yoga um, poses and weird like it's, shit. it's yeah. weird experiencing it firsthand because uh, the animations don't make any sense. Like what she's doing literally makes no sense. Yeah. Like she gets up and just like does the jankiest move. <laughs> it really, it's really odd. Yeah. Um, but actually, what I wanted to say is that it's it, it goes beyond the camera because there's a scene uh, much later in the game. Where not to dwell on this stuff, but like um, she, you you land on your base and you get out of your helicopter, and then it cuts to away from Snake's perspective, and you see one of your soldiers, um, and he's running away from something, and we don't know what, and he runs he runs up to two <laughs> other soldiers, and he's just like, ah, yeah, get her away from me, <laughs> and then you see Quiet come in, and she just like dives on top of him. Uh, like, you know, puts him in, like, a chokehold, sticks her knife in his mouth, and then, like, makes him bite down on the knife, which, like, shatters his teeth. Like, it's really gross and extreme. Um, And you don't know what's going on, but whatever. Snake walks up. He, like, grabs Quiet and just, like, fucking chucks her across the thing. And you think, okay, he's just, like, whatever. She's doing a crazy extreme thing. This is so stupid to, like, diagnose because the whole game is obviously garbage. But, like, whatever. The, I mean, it's fantastic. It's goatee. 
Um, but the <laughs> goatee garbage but the, certified. But, but so he like he, ch- he chucks her away, and then um, Ocelot walks up. He's like, "What's going on here?" And like she just like walks off because she can't talk for no reason. And then um, he just looks at Snake, and he's like, "Man, that's it. Must have been like revenge for how they're treating her." And Snake's just like, "Yeah, but if she does it again, I'll kill her myself." What the hell? She's your buddy. Yeah, like like, she's your comrade. He's like, that's two strikes. There won't be a third. (laughs) It is just like, what the fuck? Like, it's one thing if the camera's weird, but uh, But also the character is blatantly (laughs) awful. Like, just really, yeah. Anyway, without showing any justification for why she was violent to that guy or anything like that. Your dilemma of this whole game's obviously garbage. No, I mean Goaty, it's amazing. Yeah. That that is this game it is, is that might be the game. Oh, it's game the is, most. This it's game the most that. embodies yeah. that sort of just internal war mm-hmm. over what video games can be and what they choose to be, and yeah. like what yes. they can even achieve despite aiming low and aiming high at the same time. Yeah. You know, like God, it's free to There's so much game weird, to this, man. Like, yeah. they're so weird. Because this, this I mean, happens all the time. It happens. It happens in film, but it's just this stuff is so not, not like this. Not no, no, no. This degree. This not to this like degree. Crazy. I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. It's extreme. It's it's the extreme version of that because it's yeah. it's a comic book and you can get away with more because it's whatever. Yeah. God. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it means. Yeah. Anyway, eh, it kind of does. You can get away with a lot in a video game, and nobody's going to write about it in the New York Times because it's just like a stupid video game. Yeah, but the, I mean that is that is true because I mean the audience is just much more li- like right. But that, that's all the, that's all true. But then audience, when it becomes it the smaller... game that is up for consideration for game of the year, people talk about it holistically, including all of those things, and then it gets really weird. Like that's when it actually mm. gets weird. Yeah. Is well, like sure. like you're like you saying, oh, it's a video game because you can say stuff. Like we can say something fucking insane right now because we're on a podcast. And no one will know, no one will know yeah. because it's a podcast and we're past the first half of the podcast. You can say whatever the fuck you want and it's not going to get quoted anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Unless this episode for some reason was up for whatever the podcast versions of the Emmys are, which doesn't exist. All I was saying is that games are like 100 hours long. That's also true. Nobody yeah. fucking plays half of this content. And so like when you're when you're looking at a film, everybody's got their eyes on the one scene in the middle of the Avengers where something weird happens and then they talk about it. Yeah. Nobody like... You can't have a discussion about this with somebody at the New York Times. They didn't play this far. You know, they didn't see the scene. And if they saw it, they probably confused it with another one because there are a million scenes like this. Like, there's just so much stuff. And that's why I was comparing to comic books because it's like, what happened in Spider-Man 178? I don't know. But, like, maybe this character in general is gross. So you can just say maybe Kojima in general is gross. Well, then sitting there and saying, like... We should be thankful, then, that Metal Gear Solid Five has credit sequences so frequently (laughs) because it actually can get closer to something like... The Emmys, yeah. where we could start yeah. saying you can talk about a single issue of Spider-Man, you can talk about a single horrible moment in Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> and then you can blame that one guy who's like, "No, but Kojima made me put it in the game." Yeah. Actually, that's true. Yeah. That's Weirdly, true. I feel like this is what video game journalism is now: is finding the craziest things and just putting them on YouTube. That is yeah. like yeah, that is like our job. Yeah. That's what we're off really promising. Is basically, what our job is now <laughs> in, in my field. Off, that started off so promising, but they can find the crazy, interesting thing. <clears throat> and put it and on then YouTube. put it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's take a break. Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Parachute, an online betting brand based in Venice Beach, California. 
Uh, Parachute has a whole line of uh, bedding essentials. They have sheets, duvet covers, all the Mm. things you need. to. Yeah, I went to their website. They've got all the different sort of types of sets that you might want for your bed, ranging from like pretty basic to more ambitious. Um, Jake, I know you have and sleep within. I'm currently sleeping on some freshly washed parachute sheets. They are incredibly comfortable and my bedroom looks amazing. Uh, My cat loves sleeping on these sheets. Like, she spends Aww. all day sleeping on that duvet cover to the point that she kind of barfed up a hairball on the other day, which was <laughs> gross. But, um. That's how comfortable she felt. Really relaxed. Like, I've got a lot of pictures of my cat sleeping on these sheets now. Yeah. Um, but now they are washed and they are, again, very crisp and new feeling oh, nice. and yeah, not barf covered anymore and instead beautiful. Nice. I'm sure that's exactly what Parachute wants us to say about their <laughs> sheets, uh, except for the part where my cat barfed on them. But they are really, really nice. Like, uh, Dana and I love the way our bedroom looks with those. There you go. They're manufactured in Tuscany. Oh, They're perfect. Tuscan as all fuck. They are fucking Tuscan with Egyptian cotton. Oh, so nice. they're the 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 two nationalities you want the most inside of a sheet. Plus <laughs> Venice Beach, California, is where the website was. Made all public. good things. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to parachutehome dot com slash thumbs and use the promo code thumbs, you will get twenty five dollars. Off your first order. That is parachutehome.com slash thumbs with the promo code thumbs. Yeah, really do check it out. Their website's really nice. Their sheets are incredibly comfortable and good looking, and yeah. you'll be happy to sleep in them. Mm, Thanks, Oko Parachute. Tips certified dyes. That sounds great. Thanks, Sorry. Pa- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> parachutehome.com slash thumbs. Sheet fact bomb from Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> I got really excited about that. Video this episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you also by MeUndies. Hooray! Yeah. MeUndies is a great brand of um, underwear and basic undergarments. Uh, I really like MeUndies. They're very comfortable and they're very durable. They come in good sort of basic solid colors that are very appealing as well as more assertive and outrageous patterns that you may enjoy that they also um, swap out. And they have women's time time. rock tanks. Rock said with like a Boston Explain to or me a what New that York even, I don't accent. even know what that is. Well, it's, it's just a basic tank top with like a wider than sort of a, the ribbed tank top straps. Uh-huh. It's very cool. The rock tank. <laughs> you can get your rock tank at MeUndies.com. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you can go to MeUndies.com slash thumbs. To get 20% off your first rock tank or any other stuff that you put in your cart. Um, And they'll know that we sent you, which helps us out. Um, But that is MeUndies.com slash thumbs for 20% off your first order. And get this, shipping is always free with MeUndies now. Always. Nice. Not just with our code, but you do want to use our code for that 20% off. Uh, MeUndies.com slash thumbs Video game. They really do have a lot of cute designs I'm, I'm super into it I wish Sean was on because I, I saw he watched Titanic And I watched Titanic again as well You did? Weird Because it's on HBO Go That's why oh, must be, That's why. That and why. I wanted something out of the background While I was doing some work And I thought, well this will be interesting It's a good background Holy movie Holy shit what a weird... F- Speaking of films and criticism and what the fuck, uh, that woman, that white girl gets on the Titanic and there's a voiceover where she says, I thought, everyone thought my life was supposed to be amazing, but it, for me it was like I was walking onto a slave ship. 
She's wow. like Whoa. the richest person. She's in the one point zero one percent of that life in that yeah. world at that at that time, yeah. and says she's getting on a slave ship, and you're supposed to feel bad for her. <laughs> that would it's amazing. I don't think that would there get were written so today. many instances yeah. of scenes where just and that what was that was less than twenty years ago. Ninety seven, yeah, eighteen years ago. So yeah, the, uh, half that movie would be I on the cutting room floor at this out. point because Holy it was shit. really egregiously. <laughs> the nineties, it, it's yeah. so bizarre that the nineties were like in its oh, yeah. ways, quote unquote, a progressive time, but also no, like so it's, much it's, shit. No, it's would never... club. We don't know what to do with our money, so yeah, we're going to exactly. be sad. Uh, <laughs> every movie is that end of the nineties. <laughs> what a fucking weird thing! It's really anyway. aggressively <laughs> <laughs> to quote yeah. someone. I guess we must be Roger back. Ebert. I think <laughs> there you go. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That's what he the famous Ebert. Whoa. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of pointless things to do with your money, a thing that we did yesterday. <laughs> escaping old yeah. vintage yeah. places. Uh, also speaking of like dubious historical yeah. Um, you yeah. know, authenticity. <laughs> um, yes. I don't even How do you. How well, this one, was for well, your birthday. It was yeah, a surprise for your no birthday. I had no idea. That's true. I didn't know this was happening. Yeah. I showed. Yeah. I guess Sarah brought me along to. Took just we got on a bus and went to the Presidio in San Francisco, which is sort of just an area near the Golden Gate Bridge, and I didn't know what we were doing. And then a bunch of my friends turned up, and we escaped <laughs> from a room, and it was actually really, it was really, really good. We've talked about Room Escape on the podcast a few years ago. At this point, um, there are now a couple, a few different companies who operate games like this in San Francisco. This is a genre of live, you know, live game, not not a video game, but an actual place you go. And participate uh, in a game where you're you are locked into a room, literally locked into a room, festooned with sort of puzzles and weird clues and just things, and you have to figure out how to solve these puzzles and you know interact with objects and devices in the room in order to escape within a time frame, which is usually about an hour, but in this case was an hour and twenty minutes. And the theme of this room that we all played, us and six other people, uh, I mean, we were all who knew each yeah. other, um, was that in 1915 at the, what was it? The Pacific Panama? What is it? It was a Pan yeah. Pacific Exhibition Pan or Pacific, something? Pan Pacific like, Panama that... Exhibition or something? There was a Pan It was basically there. a World's Fair in San Francisco in 1915. <laughs> the conceit is that Harry Houdini, who who was at this World's Fair and who performed created this crazy puzzle room so that a bunch of his other like cool friends famous cool like friends. celebrity 1915 yeah, friends right which included Wild like Bill, cody uh, williams Buff- buffalo bill oh, sorry cody. yes Buff- buffalo, buffalo bill. bill like helen keller luther um burbank Sousa. um john philip Sousa, <laughs> um thomas edison charlie chaplin, charlie chaplin, chaplin henry, henry ford. ford henry ford is that everyone? That might be everyone. There were eight people. Yeah. And uh, and the idea was that he created this room that this is not this not did not happen, by the way. <laughs> yeah. These people were all in fact at the, the they were all at the nineteen fifteen San Francisco World's Fair and did apparently 
interact with each other and like have conversations and stuff. But they did not all escape from a weird Harry Houdini <laughs> room together. You'll be shocked room. to learn. We were told all of this history at, at once by the sort of guide who introduced us to the room, and he did not demarcate between yeah, so, the things yep. he was saying that so were I actually have, historically true I have and to the admit, things that were bullshit. I have to admit that I wasn't paying close attention. I was looking yeah. at other things, and then I tuned in like halfway through his spiel, and I was like, Really? I know. Yeah, like, yeah. What? John Philip Sousa and Henry. Fo- okay, they were hanging out. Well, this huh? is very interesting. I had no idea. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that only some of them ever met with some other ones, and it right. was not yeah. any pairing Different that would be completely outrageous. Met, but they didn't all hang out as like they were definitely they also dinner, not yeah. locked into a room together <laughs> yeah. that was a then of lost. Room escape. Yeah, lost <laughs> somehow inside of the Palace of Fine Arts for a hundred years. That yeah. would not, that yeah. part did not happen. Yeah. But the 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 sort of theming of the interior of this game and sort of that conceit was I thought delivered on very well inside yeah. of this yeah, game. I totally agree. Oh, super it was, cool. It was. I mean, I, at this point, I think several of us have done a few of these room escapes and this was easily one of the best ones that I've done just in terms of good theming and like a lot of stuff to do. So even if you have a big group, people can kind of be solving different things at one time Um, and just, just well put together puzzles and just clever fun. Yeah. It was good. Good special effects. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of these, it's, it's kind of funny. There is a, group of people who really like these room escape games and they've they're at this point they're in a lot of major cities in america you can have there's between one and multiple companies running them and this is a ridiculous comparison but the sort of gameplay versus graphics argument can apply pretty easily (laughs) to room escape games i think because they're the company scrap who uh is a japan-based company who did what i think was sort of at least the first notable room escape games in san francisco which were escape from the mysterious room Mm -hmm. and escape from the time travel lab both of which we've talked about escape from the time travel lab the other like best one that i've escape from the time travel lab is amazing um but their their game structure is very much there's a there's a theme but really, you're just in a room full of the cheapest IKEA furniture that we could put together and <laughs> fit our puzzles inside. Mm. Whereas this one was like, you're not in like a Disneyland set. Like the budget is still lower. It's more like a like high end community theater or like high end yeah. local theatrical production. But there's still production value. Like it still yeah. feels like you're inside of a space, and you can lean into the theme to help the puzzles work in a way that like. I mean, these are basically real-life adventure games, and that element of sort of having atmosphere and having that be able to be a tool that you can use as a as a person designing the game and just also a thing yeah. that can help inform you and sort of help you forgive things on the negative side about the experience but also help you really get involved in it on the positive side is, is, is present in this game in a way that is not the, usually. This one, it occurs to me just now, was more like Mist than any yes. version of this I've ever done in hmm. terms of like yeah. wood paneling and sort of just photos. Yeah, yeah. just it yeah. felt very much like that. We we obviously are not going to spoil any puzzle stuff, but if you if this sounds interesting to you and you live I... in the Bay Area, well, real quick, Nick, and then I'll and then no, I'll, I can, I'm just going to tell tell them what it is and where they can find it. It's oh, yeah, it's called the this company that puts this on is called Palace Games, and their their URL is palace-games.com. And they run this Houdini room escape in the Palace of Fine Arts in the Presidio in San Francisco. Anyway, go ahead, Nick. Um, I just wanted to ask, because uh, I've only done one of these. It was the one that we had done um, like two years ago, um, other than this one. Was um, that Mysterious Room? Or- it was, yeah. I, it was the very sort of basic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
my question is for the people who've done more of these, um, are they typically constructed where, um, cause I, I'm finding that it, the interesting thing about the, the gameplay construction is that, um, there tend to be sections of it that are very linear in the sense that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're all sort of driving to unlock one section of this puzzle at a time. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it will branch out to allow yeah. for, for, yeah. but generally speaking, the one that we had just done felt like it was moving, you know, from like point to point. Right. Um, is that usually the case or because that my memory of the last one was that, um, you know, there were sort of uh, a, just eight or ten different sort of disparate puzzles hidden throughout the room, and mm -hmm. everybody could kind of carve off a piece of it and sort of churn on it. They still, they still tend to funnel into even in that one. I maybe you're you don't remember like super clearly, but the they do tend to funnel into phases, and one of the reasons they do that, I think, is because it allows the sort of state of the room to change. Well, in, right in to a way unlock another section yeah, of the room or whatever. Yeah. The the thing that I don't like about that is that it feels like when you have ten or twelve people, yeah, half the room is just kind of standing there, right? Like, and I, I am always yeah. I'm a very like in situations like that I will just defer to the people who are like, no, this is what we're doing. <laughs> and so my experience with this give the room at this point is, if I can help, sure. But generally speaking, right. I'm just going to kind of sit there and kind of like defer to the people who are like. They have read the instructions. I didn't get a chance to read the instructions. So, so like, and I'm just curious about like if that's usually the yeah, case. Or this that... one I thought was actually better than many mm -hmm. in the sense it wasn't that bad. Yeah, there were there were at least a few different groups of us solving different puzzles. That there was a moment, moment that I felt really good about that, where half the people were in one room, half the people were in yeah. the other room, and I was like it's, it's, helping Danielle with the thing, and like yeah. you know, it's weird because with, with, the thing, but, with like, these with these room escape games, you have. So many of the problems that you would have in an adventure or a puzzle game design, or as a puzzle or adventure game designer, but then you also, like you said, have to account for the fact that there are eight people in the room. Yeah. Because like this, this palace, uh, palace games game that we played, the Houdini Escape, felt like from a from a design standpoint, it was actually built deliberately to account for that, where there are potentially ten people in the room, but there are like eight possible. Right. Things that could be being solved at the same time. Like this game actually has a lot of nonlinear elements before yeah. they get you all down, before it sort of you hit the like choke point uh, in the puzzle design. But if all the people in the room aren't aware that that's how the game is structured. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. like when we were playing, it felt like we all were wandering around not knowing what to do for a while. Then finally we all broke into teams and everyone was like, yeah. there was a while there where there was like yeah. epic amounts of clockwork going on where the whole room was just a buzz with puzzles being cracked and like information sharing yeah. and stuff. Only we didn't realize until halfway through that I think we could have been doing most of that stuff through the entire duration of the game. Well, and we just didn't know that we could. Yeah, yeah, I think early on, as pointless to talk about because it's such a weird thing, isn't well, most no people on this podcast? Well, yeah, no yeah. one was referring to or anything. But um, I, yeah, I, I think nobody. Yeah, I, I got the feeling that like, oh, this is a very linear thing, and that we have to we have to do this thing. But it was it, it was less it, linear than we thought. But right. it's just it's it's a weird. It's just a, it's just interesting for me as like a you know a design challenge, right? Like they they want to stay sort of outside of the room. They don't want to give you like they don't want to actually write down on the piece of paper. You can do all of these things non-linearly, right? But like. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it probably it's, would have been a better experience if we'd known that, I right? So it's interesting. It's, it is just it is a weird challenge because no one in video game space, no one makes these sort of adventure game, puzzle game things that are also 
multiplayer because yeah. it would be gross. It would what actually about be Uru Ages of Mist. That's <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That there you would go. be an yeah. exception that proves the rule, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> because you know, you, what you want in these games, like, the, these map to mist or, like, in modern games, the closest thing is actually probably the room on iOS, especially to this puzzle game mm. that we played, yeah. where it is just, uh-huh. like, a mystery box that you're sliding open, and you, you've got to solve all these various things that then form into a weird key shape that lets yeah. you get one layer deeper or whatever. Part of the fun of those of the, of those games, just like part of the fun of Room Escape games, is walking around and sort of testing all of the edges of the room to find yeah. things and because of that, you don't, as a designer, I, don't, I think you don't want to give away the meta structure of your game. But when you have 10 people inside of it, if you don't give away some of that at the beginning, you just rob those people of the ability to have any agency inside of it because they don't even know the, sh- like, yeah. the, shape the structural, it. like the design shape of the space, like as they're well, figuring they, out the physical shape of, of the space. A lot of it also has to do with how it's primed. So we should get off this quickly because yeah, 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 people yeah. have such little context. But yeah. when we started, you know, the guy said there is an order to do these in and he actually kind of guided us away right. from doing stuff at the same time yeah so a lot of it just has to do with how you prime it but anyway this is a really interesting <laughs> category of of game i think and if you have any interest in puzzle solving in video games you might find this interesting as well um this this one that we did is is only only exists in the palace of fine arts in san francisco but the company that that really sort of established this in san francisco um, called Scrap now runs it in several other cities, and there have also in the last couple of years been additional companies that have sprung up here and in other cities as well. So it's also you, a popular thing in Europe. That's true, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Japan for that that's matter, right. which yeah. is, I think where where it was first, probably. Um, but if you search for Room Escape games in your city, yeah, or you Real Escape these, game is the other or Real thing Escape called. game is the something called, and, you, and your city name or the major metropolitan area near you, you could probably yeah. find something like this. Yep. Yeah. So all, just, yep, yeah, I was going to say all I'll say about it is that uh, it's the one kind of adventure game where sort of pixel hunting is actually fun because yeah, you're physically in the space uh, and, and, it, yeah, and moving so things, big, and it's yeah, actually yeah, really yeah, fun to, totally to do that kind of thing. So. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I I sort of pixel hunted our yeah. way out of the room almost at the end in a way that was. Yeah. That oh, was we surprising. pixel hunted in the middle. Pretty pretty. Yeah, there's, oh, that's there's true. Good yeah. stuff. All right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. All right. Let's do some. Let's do some reader mail. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh you're out of funds. Talk about room escape games a bunch more in the total abstract. Yeah. Kevin Christopher writes. Yeah. What? Oh, I was just going to say albino lullaby. If we wanted to oh, mention sorry. it super quickly, yeah, ahead, and, and it ties into yes. the mysterious room yeah. thing because no, no, this is a game. It. Yeah. Uh, I will just say really, really briefly that I played albino lullaby, which is out uh, <sighs> yesterday, as of the day this podcast comes out. So it's fresh and new uh sort of a puzzle box of a horror game which is actually pretty cool it is a um, first person horror game without any jump scares or a lot of blood or a lot of things that are generally associated with horror games it's like this really bizarre psychological uh type of game where the entire structure of this bizarre house or or structure that you're in i won't spoil Mm -hmm. anything changes all the time like it'll actually flip it's almost cube like um the movie Cube where, like, you know, rooms are arranged differently and, and you sort of have to figure out the puzzle of that as well. It's it's pretty cool and, and definitely worth checking out. I know you played it too, Chris, a little uh, yeah, bit. Yeah, I would like to. to I, I need to spend more time with it. I haven't had much time. Yeah. But I um, I just I, – it's I'm glad that it is out and is cool. It seems cool so far because um, one of the key developers on the game is Justin Pappas, who oh, nice. is someone I worked with uh, – on Bioshock Infinite and yeah. Irrational yeah. and is a really good guy and deserves to, to make cool things that are successful. 
Um, so anyway, I just I, I'm pleased about that. What's it's that game cool called thing. again? Albino Lullaby. It's on Steam. And I think it actually oh, dates back. As I understand it, I think it it has its roots in like a student game that he made before he nice. was a professional game developer. I could. I apologize if I'm getting that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. That's actually really cool. Yeah, yeah. man, Irrational Games and the Bioshock series is basically just like. The Cloverfield monster that has walked through gaming over the last like ten years and just like <laughs> shed dozens of small but notable yeah, projects. It's, crazy, I know. it's a it's a weird many uh, of very high quality actually, yeah. so, which is cool. I mean, and, yeah. and really, I think you can draw the line b- further back to Looking Glass and then further mm. back to Origin. Yep, but mostly know, I wanted to make an analogy to the Cloverfield monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shedding um, cool game devs. <laughs> yeah, so that's Albino Lullaby. By Ape Law, right? Ape Law, that's yeah. right, yeah. And Cloverfield by J.J. Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kevin Christopher writes, I think we should start a list of the strange themes that appear in Kojima games. Number one, eye patches. <laughs> Big Boss, Solidus, Raiden in Metal Gear Solid Rising, Solid Snake 2 had two good eyes in Metal Gear Solid 4 and still wears an eye patch. <laughs> Hell, your dog wears a fucking eye patch. <laughs> two, people urinating themselves. Otakon in Metal Gear Solid 1, Hostages in Metal Gear Solid 2, Sokolov slash Naked, Slake in Metal Gear, Naked Snake in Metal Gear Solid 3, Sonny Merrill in Metal Gear Solid 4, <laughs> and now Julie Emmerich in Metal Gear Solid 5. So much Number pee. three, fart noises. Mostly this is a running joke that wears too thin with Johnny uh, Akaba in Metal Gear Solid 2 uh, and Metal Gear Solid 4, but I also literally have a tape recording of a man shitting in Metal Gear Solid 5. Good. <laughs> Do you have that tape recording, Nick? Um no. All right. Well, there's also a good noise with the when the more horse hours poops. Into it. There's a there's a pretty solid noise for that that poop effect. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid Four: Women Super Soldiers with Their Tits Out. Eva, <laughs> Sniper Wolf, and Quiet. <laughs> yep. Number five: Crotch Grabs. The President on Raiden. Metal Gear Solid Two. Vulgan grabbing Big Boss. Metal Gear Solid Three. <laughs> and supposedly you can do this as a CQC takedown in Metal Gear Solid Four. Number six: Pushing paralyzed people down the stairs. <laughs> Huey Emmerich gets pushed down the stairs in his wheelchair in Peace Walker, then pushed down the stairs with his walker in Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, number seven. Yikes! They torture that man in this game. Oh. It's very strange. Oh. Number seven, creepy ass shots. Too many to list, mm. but Naked Raiden in Metal Gear Solid Two comes to mind, or the prologue of Metal Gear Solid Five you discussed when you push your way through other patients only to stop and look down at the guy in the hospital gown's ass crack. Lots of butts. Or the beginning of every fight with the beauties in Metal Gear Solid Four. I love the mechanics of Metal Gear. Maybe less going back to some of them now, but I and I can appreciate the story, even if some of it is anime bullshit, but some of the creepier <laughs> stuff bothers me about the series. I feel like Kojima is a genius in attention to detail, but has the maturity of a 12-year-old. Mm. Can you think of any other series where the bizarre nuances of the creator were so prevalent, would we tolerate these things in a game not titled Metal Gear? David Kevin Christopher, St. Louis, uh, Twitter handle, Original Kevbo. Yeah, David Cage the first is part the of first that. thing I can David Cage, of. yeah, yeah, I guess so. Do we talk? I mean, Molyneux really to, ex- to an extent. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not the same. Crazy guy. Molyneux not... is so much more naive and tame. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Molyneux is so much more adorable. It's true, but that, it, you know it, like, how I'm much just, he likes just, farting and stuff. Yeah, in in film, the closest you get is Tarantino, right? I mean, like his stuff is really solid, but then yeah. every now and then, just like a fucking weird indulgence shows up for absolutely mm-hmm. no reason, and it's often the same list of like five weird indulgent things. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although it's it's less played. F- yeah, I mean, I guess it is kind of similar. Like There's he's some- a director who will suddenly just have a character turn to the camera and wink in the middle of a movie yeah. that is otherwise like incredibly meaningful and 
like masterfully built in a way that you don't see yeah, for, yeah. over the last like 40 years. Yeah, that's true. But then like, yeah, just, I guess it just feels different only because in a movie, it's always completely prescribed down to like a specific frame at a specific moment. Whereas in a game, some of that stuff's in cutscenes, and some of it is just in sure. the game systems, which just feels weirder. Yeah, but the, the, but sens- the sensibility of the creator seems like it's maybe cutscenes. coming from a similar place, yeah, but Kojima has yeah. fallen off the cliff uh, way <laughs> far farther yeah. than, than... You know what I... Mm. This makes me think of something that I kind of wanted to mention before, um, and I don't know, I, again, don't read... I haven't read a lot about this game, but I, I don't read. Uh, but, um, I don't read, but if again, I, did. I don't read. I only speak on podcasts, but uh, and, and game to myself. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but uh, I I would like to see an article um, from a journalist, Danielle, uh, sure, <laughs> or alleged journalist uh, about kind of the preoccupation um, of Japanese games and the preoccupation with like Africa, and mm. I mean. This game has a lot of that going on. It's 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 clearly questionable in some regard. I I don't. I really am not going to take the time to delve into it to my, just myself. But I mean, you the, you you have to rescue these African children uh, who are all sort of impoverished and and uh, you know um, at at your um, uh, command later, which is weird. And then, huh. um, but they're also their town is run by, of course, it's completely full of of African children. And then you have to fight their commander, who is an eight-year-old white boy, for some reason. Oh, my God. The, Weird. There are... Yeah. Th- but th- just think about this game. Goody. And thinking about... Yeah. yeah. Think about this game and think about Resident Evil 5. Like, I would be interested sure. to... Like, are I, there lots of examples or just those two that come to mind? The, 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 I, I looked into this back when Resident Evil 5 came out. I was talking to um, a professor in Japan because I was going to write an article about it. I oh. guess what I'm saying is oh. I would like myself to do this, yeah. but yeah. I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's, a, it's a definite cultural strangeness and uh, you know the sort of alien Africa um, and the way they think about it. It's very weird and disturbing. Uh, anyway. I mean, that definitely exists not just in Japan. Oh, yes. But- it's not just in Japan, but I think um, you can definitely connect some dots sure. in video games especially. Uh, that's weird. I would like someone to write that. Yeah, I'm probably not I, qualified to write that, but I, I am I think interested. that's kind of what I ended up concluding as well. But um, <laughs> right, yeah. I was interviewing some people to try to make it qualified. And right. Kind right. Of, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That was that was a God. That Resident Evil Five stuff was so crazy that. Ugh, I was like, yeah, it was that, like the that it was like a pre gamer really gate. It was a pre gamer gate yeah. like era. Uh, sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 No, that is, that See, we can talk about Gamergate because we're in the back three quarters of this podcast Andrew Wilson writes thanks to Danielle hi thumbs oh. I wanted to write in and thank you and Danielle for in particular for not indulging in the common topic of clowns as monsters when discussing the game dropsy oh. shortly before I was born my grandfather retired from his career as a Navy officer and became a semi-professional clown in the in his regional shrine circus I would spend summers visiting him and helping out around the temple a job which consisted largely of showing elderly people how to make things in print shop for the Commodore 64. Nice. Sweeping and very carefully dusting the egg registry. Each clown has their makeup painted on, out onto an emptied out egg as a record of what their character looked like. When they weren't preparing for a show, the clowns would teach me magic tricks, how to juggle, and how to do physical comedy. To make a long story short, the modern narrative of evil clowns and, and, chlorophobic, er, and chlorophobia, I guess that's fear of clowns, <laughs> makes me really sad, and I really appreciate that it didn't come up in your discussion. Thanks again. Love the show. Andrew, Athens, Georgia. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Nice I know. really, um, 
I, I was streaming Dropsy the other night, and uh, I was having a lot of fun with it. And the developer was was actually there in in chat and sort of chatting with people about yeah. it. And somebody had mentioned uh, that they had a similar sort of experience with it. That they were really afraid, actually, that the game was going to be super ableist against. Like Dropsy is definitely sort of the character is a, a grown person, but kind of has the mind of a child. Maybe mm-hmm. perhaps is delayed in some ways and they were right. really afraid it was going to be really ableist and gross and like they work with you know autistic children and they played it and they were like no this is the most like kind-hearted game that's about acceptance and it's goofy certainly and it's playing off of that he looks creepy and evil sort of thing but it's actually the the gist of the game is about being like very accepting and very kind and yeah i, I that game is so awesome i just want to nice. say that they did a good job with that as well yeah so, that's great yeah. uh Andy Yinks. Really quick, just oh, I have to yes. point out that because it, it was mentioned in that email, mm-hmm. I love the the clowning tradition of saving your u- clown's unique face paint onto an it's egg. Like that's cool. a totally legit thing that is not just that one yeah. clown club. That's like all over the place, and it's so fucking weird and cool. That's all. Yeah. It is a cool thing. Look up clown egg faces if you want to see crazy shit. <laughs> it's awesome. Anyway, that's all. That's awesome. um, Andy Yinks writes Danielle Origins. Hi, I think over the years you guys. <laughs> You guys have told various stories of how you met each other on the podcast, but I don't remember hearing one of these about Danielle. Before Danielle leaves for New York, is there any story to be told of how she came to meet you guys or join the show? Andy. Danielle was just sort of created and inserted into this reality, and we've all known her our whole lives as far as we're concerned, which is weird when you think about it. I'm a composite, really. Jesus. (laughs) I was born a couple of years ago, in fact. It's been weird to be too... Well, the origin story, I guess, is that I knew Chris in Boston, yeah, we and just, we, we met, met each other at. Um, it was Game Loop 2011. It was ga- I think. Yeah, Game Loop 2011. We just sat down at the same like table, table at a bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the conference, and just started talking and hanging out, and that yeah. was that was it. That's the beginning of this beautiful story. And then yeah. you moved here, and I moved here a few months later, and then you yeah. asked me to be on the podcast one day, like as a guest, and then like, it just kind of was a good fit, and we just ended up on the podcast. Yeah, it's my we origins. didn't we didn't ever like decide to put Danielle on the podcast or like. We, I mean, it wasn't we've, a marketing we've never, decision. We've never done that with anyone, but like, it just you just kind of ended up on it. Yeah. We actually have a very clown-like tradition here at the Adult Thumbs Office, where instead of putting our face on an egg, our forums make a beautiful oil painting of it's your true. face and gives it <laughs> to true. us. And put it in the bathroom. And it's or in the bathroom. In the office. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> or, or just staring at or you, it's Jake. N- Nix, is a, Nix is the only portrait in the actual podcast studio. It's well, true. when we got Gabe, our intern, I decided that I would hang Nick's picture above his desk to inspire him. <laughs> yep. Yep. Inspired by a Brecken. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you're in the room that has... <laughs> that has <laughs> you're in the room with Bobby Kotick and Jay yeah, Allard, yeah. so you should, be, you should be proud. Yeah. It's and an honor. Asshole. And space right. asshole and a video game hot dog. It's yeah. delicious yeah. crumb. Big dog. The thing is, yeah. I feel like mine more than others, though, uh, resembles the Ghostbusters 2 painting. Oh, you're like Vigo the Carpathian. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I feel like yeah. mine is less my, inspiring my, and more terrifying. My painting is the uh, scale of Vigo the Carpathian, <laughs> yeah. whereas yours right. is actually like the visage. When, yeah. when, mm-hmm. when Jake says... He thinks Gabe will be inspired. He doesn't mean inspired. Oh, yes. He means inspired to work harder out of fear. Right. Like yes. yeah. that image will inspire him to greater <laughs> right. heights of intimidation. When my parents yeah. would ask me to go in the basement to like get what? another bottle of ketchup, uh, I would always <laughs> what? What? in the ketchup what? basement what? of Nick what? Brecken. That's a common task of the Brecken household. They go through a lot of ketchup there. When as child, I go into basement to get new. Why are you the count from Sesame Street? What is that? One, two, three ketchups. Like what? It just seemed like something that would be like introduced by like some 
you know, like Some first generation yeah. family that doesn't, you <laughs> don't even know what they're talking about, but they act as though it's a normal thing. Right. That's what <laughs> it was like. Borat? Like, what is I Borat know, the I Carpathian? Know. I didn't have time yeah. to, to think about what I was doing. I just decided to be offensive. <laughs> Oh my. Anyway, Nick, when you went down to the basement to get another <laughs> to get your bottle ketchup. of ketchup. <laughs> I would always, when I was walking back up the stairs, I would always imagine that Vigo was behind me. Oh no! And so it would like spur me to like walk, like like run up the stairs with the ketchup and like more quickly deliver the ketchup to this my parents. This does sound like a crazy Eastern European. <laughs> I imagine that Vigo was behind me. Anyway, it uh, inspired me to climb. It's like it's like the compass or whatever. It's like you know, I, he was my like weird fairy tale like. Ketchup, just like you know, motivator. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, well, you had that. Is. You had that NES Advantage controller, so you were able to power <laughs> the Statue of Liberty faster. to defeat him. It's true. <laughs> the funny thing was, if you actually fell and hurt yourself, and you squirted ketchup everywhere. Nobody would know if it was blood or ketchup. <laughs> like at first, looking at you, they'd right. have to sniff you. And, and well, then, that would be good actually, because then they would be motivated to get a bambi. They would really. That's true. Like, they'd be like, "Oh, mm, look at all that yeah. blood." Yeah. They'd mo- they'd Nick be is dying. Vigo was helping you all along. <laughs> <laughs> he inspired you. All right. Michael Corliss writes, for podcast, important question about podcast network. Howdy Thumbs, if eSports Today downloads surpass even idle thumbs, will you have to rename the network to the eSports Today network? Oh. Much appreciations, Mike from Edmonton, Alberta. 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 Jesus. Alberta. Canada. <laughs> Alberta. That was the, the Italian when way. I, was... I catch the catch off. <laughs> Um, yes, uh, I think yes, probably right. Whichever the podcast is most popular gets to be the name of the network at any given moment, and that will just King much like Vigo the Carpathian that will inspire us to do better <laughs> at all of our own individual podcasts and get ketchup. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, we just named the network Idle Thumbs because the site was already called Idle Thumbs, and we're smart people who have good yeah. business sense. <laughs> yep, there's other podcasts on it though. If you go to idlethumbs.net, uh, we do have that new podcast, Esports Today, as mentioned by Michael Corliss, this reader. And all kinds of other ones. Um, we probably won't rename the network very much, though. Uh, all right. Jacob Olson writes, my Lebowski moment. I was on vacation in Spain visiting some family. Being a real baby, I quickly received a parking ticket. So I staggered into the nearest bank, not knowing a whole lot about anything. The banker looked disappointed and began making phone calls. The tone varied a lot. Uh, laughing at one point, yelling at another point. At some point, standing behind the counter, confused and a little bored, I fished my phone out of my pocket to look up a word I I could hear the clerk repeating a lot. So in utmost secrecy, in utmost secrecy, down and behind the counter, I opened up the dictionary app and typed in the word letter by letter. I took a peek at my phone again and across the screen in big bold letters, it said fart. (laughs) I paid the 80 euros and left the bank as a broken baby man. (laughs) That's an excellent fart story. Yep. I like those. That's all we got for now. Oh, good. Good. And we have more email, but this has been a long, long cast. Long cast is, uh, you know, of moderate length. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please uh, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It is very helpful. Do it. Yeah, it spreads. Do it. Do it. Picture you Vigo the Carpathian behind you, watching you as you fill in the number of stars, and think about how many stars Vigo the Carpathian compels you to fucking put. <laughs> do it. It's five. It's five stars. I was just commanding them to do it. Yeah, he was doing the do it command. That's a different thing. <laughs> Don't yeah. do that. I mean, unless you think that we deserve that. 
Unless you think we deserve to be, you know, leave a poo emoji. Do not that many stars. Pooped upon. Um, yeah, and like I said a second ago, you <laughs> can find fun. all of the other podcasts on our network at idlethumbs.net. Uh, there was just a uh, an interview that went up on Designer Notes with Soren Johnson, or Designer Notes hosted by Soren Johnson, interviewing uh, Chris Avalone. Oh, nice. Yeah, storied RPG writer and designer, and, and uh, that is available as of a few days ago. Yes. Yeah, at idlethumbs.net. Yep. Well, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Chris. Good cast. Talk to you guys next week. Sounds great.